Did the Nazis use meth as a fighting strategy in World War II? The internet says it's true. Hey, welcome, 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 welcome. It's The Internet Says It's True, where every week we learn something that sounds like it's made up, but it's really true. Part of the WCBE podcast experience. My name is Michael Kent. Hello. Hey there. Happy New Year. I am happy to have you here. Welcome, new listeners, and welcome back to those of you who have been here before. Today, we're going to talk about Nazis, and then we're going to talk with my friend Jay Black. By the way, those two things have nothing to do with each other. Jay hates Nazis like the rest of us. Uh, I'm bringing him back on. He's really just, he's always a great guest. I love catching up with him and what he's been up to. Also, thank you to those of you who have given the podcast a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Because when you do that, and particularly if you accompany that five-star rating with like a comment, it really helps people find this podcast. That's the Purple Apple Podcasts app. You can do that. Uh, I appreciate it so much. Once again, thank you to those of you who are on the Patreon If you enjoyed last week's Rewind podcast with Peter Bois, you can watch the video of that guest interview there, along with all of the guest videos from the show. It's the place to watch it. It's patreon.com slash Michael Kent, and there are all kinds of bonuses for joining. Thank you to our new member, Andrew. Uh, But I think most of the people on there just want to be a supporter of the podcast and show their appreciation by joining. So once again, it's patreon.com slash Michael Kent. So let's get into it. Let's talk about drugs. And Nazis, what do you say? There's this famous clip of Adolf Hitler. He's sitting at the 1936 Olympics and just clearly tweaking on some sort of drugs. He's rocking back and forth, tapping his hand on his leg, shaking, and he's just clearly on drugs. And I'm sorry if this ruins the squeaky clean image you had of the guy. That reminds me of a uh, Norm MacDonald joke. And, uh, you know, with Hitler, the more I learn about that guy, the more I don't care for him. (laughs) I can't... And nothing, there's nothing redeeming about the guy. I tell you the guys, I go, how on earth could these Germans, like, uh, follow this lunatic, you know? And they're like, oh, he was an incredible public speaker, you know? He could, oh, he could uh, hypnotize you with his public speaking. And then I see him, he's like, strangely, strangly, strangly! I go, what? (laughs) That's not my idea of a silver-tongued devil, you know? That was, uh, of course, the late Norm MacDonald on David Letterman telling that story. So let's go back in time to the period in Germany after the First World War. Germany had a drug problem. Many war veterans were addicted to morphine. And morphine, along with opium and heroin, ran rampant throughout what was then the German Weimar Republic. These drugs were actually a huge source of revenue in Germany, many of them being manufactured as painkillers and cough medicine. This widespread drug abuse in Germany continued as the Nazi party took control in the 1930s. But the Nazis had this vision of Germans as being pure of body and mind. And we know this led to horrible eugenics and genocidal policies, but it also led the Nazi party to take a prohibitive view of things like alcohol and tobacco and some drugs. The Germans were some of the first to do research on the harmful effects of smoking. And while it doesn't seem like smoking decreased very much in light of these policies, the official stance of the Nazi party was anti-smoking. Alcohol was a problem too, and was eventually warned about within Germany. This was particularly true after the Nazis invaded France, and drinking was seen to be out of control. 
Before then, alcohol consumption among Nazi soldiers was actually encouraged as long as it didn't lead toward public drunkenness. But after the invasion of France, Hitler saw this becoming an issue, and he stated that he expected that, quote, members of the Wehrmacht to allow themselves to be tempted to engage in criminal acts as a result of alcohol abuse will be severely punished, end quote. He said offenders could expect a humiliating death, and that, too, didn't seem to really keep the Nazis from drinking. Like alcohol and tobacco, drug laws were enforced as well. One of the first laws passed in Nazi Germany was to imprison drug addicts for up to two years. A propaganda tool used to discourage drug use was by associating it with a part of the population that was being demonized. They told the public that only those of Jewish descent used drugs. This was at the time when they were also telling the German public that they had the Jews to blame for all of their problems. But when it comes to one particular drug, one of the reasons that it was never discouraged is because they didn't see meth as a drug. Hitler himself, despite promoting the vision of pure, healthy Germany, was, in fact, a drug addict. The fact that he didn't smoke or drink was heavily promoted, but he was on more than 90 medicines daily, and more than a dozen of those were heavy narcotics. He had health issues, including chronic dysentery, and his personal doctor, Dr. Theo Morell, injected him with steroids, cocaine, opiates, in an effort to allow him to sleep. Toward the end of the war, the generals around Hitler knew that this was a problem, and they actually took a disliking toward Dr. Morell, because they saw Hitler's mental health declining. After a bomb went off in Hitler's headquarters in July of 1944, a failed assassination attempt, the leader of the Nazi party was badly wounded with hundreds of splinters in his body and busted eardrums. Just two hours later, he had a meeting with Italian dictator Mussolini. But when he was injected with Eucadol, which was basically like oxycodone mixed with cocaine, he felt no pain at all. Mussolini had hoped to use this meeting to back Italy out of the war, but Hitler spoke for several hours while Mussolini sat in a chair suffering from back pain. And it wasn't just Hitler who was addicted to drugs. It was a lot of Germany at the time. Throughout Germany in the 1930s, you would see billboards promoting this miracle pill for stamina, courage, and morale. It was called Pervitin, and its use was incredibly widespread, especially within the military. But it was taken in large by the German public. Everyone from businessmen looking for a couple extra hours of energy to menopausal women took Pervitin with no restrictions. It was seen as a simple pep pill, something to get you through the day. And when taken in large amounts, something that could help a soldier into battle. And it was pure methamphetamine. That's right, the Nazis were fueled by meth. We'll talk about that more after the break. If you love listening to this podcast every week and you want to show your support, that would mean a great deal to me. You can do that by becoming a Patreon member. We've got members at all levels, whether you want to pledge $1 a month or $10 a month. Just think about the value that you receive from this show. And if you like the histories and the stories that you learn about or the jokes that you hear, and if you think that they're worth it, consider signing up. For that, you get every episode ad-free and a week early, access to bonuses like the unedited videos of the guest appearances, and 20% off all merchandise. You can sign up today at patreon.com slash Michael Kent. That's patreon.com slash Michael Kent. There was a time that humans used 100% organic products as healing balms and moisturizers for their skin. Well, I've partnered with an awesome company that wants to get back to those times. 
Fatco sells organic and responsibly made tallow-based skincare products. For centuries, humans used tallow in skin moisturizers and healing balms, but unfortunately, the topical application of these fats seemed to stop around the same time that animal fats stopped being considered part of a healthy diet. A lot of modern skincare products do more harm than good by stripping your skin of its natural oils. Let's change that. You can try them out now at fatco.com and get 15% off your order by using my promo code INTERNET. Go to theinternetsaysitstrue.com slash deals for the link. We're living through the most dynamic time in human history, and what we do as leaders matter. We are the ones that create the leverage to shift directions of our companies, our nonprofits, and our communities. As a leader or an emerging leader, please join me for a dynamic conversation with top thought leaders, academics, and executives to learn more about how to elevate your leadership. I'm Maureen Metcalf. Join us at the WCBE podcast experience at wcbe.org. The Nazi party had this slogan, Germany awake, and the miracle pill Pervitin had the power to do just that. And while alcohol or drugs that were downers were seen to slow down the mental acuity of the Nazis, taking pure speed in the form of Pervitin gave them the confidence and courage they needed to go into battle. It was marketed by a German pharmaceutical company named Temmler in 1937, and they used a marketing plan modeled after Coca-Cola to reach the public. Doctors were sent samples and lauded the drug's positive effects, completely ignoring its adverse effects. In fact, many of the Nazis' early victories in World War II are often attributed, in part, to the widespread use of these drugs. It assisted the soldiers in invading Poland. German commanders wrote about how effective it was in helping the soldiers in battle. They claimed that, quote, Everyone was fresh and cheerful with excellent discipline, a slight euphoria and increased thirst for action, mental encouragement, very stimulated, no accidents, long-lasting effect, close quote. Another report said that it gave their troops a vigorous urge to work as the feeling of hunger subsides. This allowed the German army to march for days on end with little sleep and empty stomachs. It was a performance-enhancing drug. It assisted them through the French Ardennes in 1940 and through 11 days without rest or food in the Balkan campaign of 1941. At this point in the war, the use of methamphetamine wasn't just encouraged, it was mandated. In 1940, 35 million units of Pervitin were shipped to the front lines. There are letters that have been preserved in which German troops are writing home, begging for their families to send more Pervitin. But by 1941, the adverse effects of the drugs were finally starting to be acknowledged. They knew that if you took four tablets, you'd start hallucinating and would be no good in battle. They also knew that more and more soldiers were experiencing heart problems. Others were committing suicide because of drug-induced psychotic phases. The thing that really got the attention of Nazi leaders, however, was the dependency that the soldiers had now developed. Without the drug, they were worse than useless. Among the general population, the drug was banned from non-prescription sales, but in the military, they couldn't cut their soldiers off from it without destroying their strength. Even with continued use of Pervitin, the German army began seeing its adverse effects. Poor decision-making, irrational actions, suicides, and poor health were some of the problems that occurred down the ranks. 
For German submariners fighting in U-boats, a cocaine-laced chewing gum was distributed that often led to extreme paranoia, claustrophobia, and mental breakdowns. But at the top, Hitler's own drug use and perhaps the drug use of his top commanders were leading to horrible strategic decisions. There are a few bad decisions that helped the Allies to win World War II. Hitler's hate-filled ideologies caused him to join forces with Italy, which greatly damaged their chances in the war. Overconfidence in Russia and the failure to take Moscow and the disastrous decision to fight a war on two fronts. But when it comes to the late stages of the war, the invasion of Normandy, the Battle of Kursk, we can possibly attribute Hitler's blunders to an overconfidence in some areas and lack of confidence in others. He was a drug addict, and he had no grasp on reality at that point. He was fighting with an army that was also drug addicted, fueled by meth to cure their hunger and fatigue. They were an army of meth-fueled zombies. The internet says it's true. It's time for the part of the podcast where I call a friend. One of my favorite guests is on this week, Jay Black. He's a writer and a comedian. He's written and produced films like Psycho Storm Chaser, Meet My Valentine, and Love Always Santa. What's going One on, of man? these days, Michael, I want to make a movie I don't laugh at the second someone mentions the title. That's a life goal for me. Psycho uh, Storm two. Chaser. It's Number two, if I may j- say, I put this hat on because I'm sick and I was like, you know what? I don't want to do my hair. I'll put a hat on. I understand now why Tim Pool, you know, the podcast, why he's so angry. I'm 800 degrees. I'm taking the hat off. You're going to have to deal with messy hair. That's fine, man. I, uh, I'll, I'll join you. I got the messy hair too. So I'll, I'll, I'll do that as well. I was like, I just, I could last 20 minutes on a podcast. I cannot. It's <laughs> no. way too hot. No, but Tim Pool has like, reptilian blood or something he's clearly i don't know if he's yeah. a slytherin or what the deal is with him but um, even the slytherins are like hey dial it back <laughs> yes. so uh let's uh let's catch up man i i just i wanted to bring you on because i always laugh when you're on we always have a good time and i've you been do. following you've been doing the tiki talkie and i'm enjoying it because you you feature your whole family on it which is a lot of fun so, I, yeah, I appreciate that. I, so I signed with management that was like, uh, you know, Jay, you're a good guy. People love you, but you you got to have, uh, you know, internet doohickeys. And I was like, all right, fine. So I started <laughs> doing them. And after a month, he I got a call and he was like, uh, hey, Jay, I've done the analysis. When it's just you, no one cares. When your family's involved, everybody loves it. So get rid of yourself. Start doing more with the family. Here's so. the beauty of that. Now, everything you spend on your family, you can expense on your taxes. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Because they are part of the act now. Alive. Yeah, you do. Every every dollar you spend on food is expensable because these are uh, this is cast. Yeah, no, this isn't this isn't my family. I'm not buying Christmas gifts. I'm buying cast gifts. Yeah. For my TikTok family. It's not it's not dinner. It's not groceries. It's craft services. <laughs> yeah. So I've been doing the TikToks and I've been following yours. Yours are great. Thanks. I'm very jealous of your giant following. Uh it's, you do great work on there. Thanks, man. And, uh, you I'm know, doing it's... that. 
Facebook, internet. I'm doing all Instagram, all of them. I'm bad at all of them. But, yeah, uh, I'm it's it TikTok's weird um, because I think we've we've probably discussed this before. I would love for my magic videos on TikTok to do well, but they don't. The things that do well on TikTok are, you know, the things that do well on this podcast. It's it's sixty second versions of me telling stories that I've told on, uh, on this podcast, and <laughs> and especially the ones that really grasp a particular niche group of people on TikTok, like Disney or Star Trek or whatever it might be. You know, um, I did a Star Trek video, a, a video about uh, where the the Spock live long and prosper hand signal came from, right? Like, and it's a, it's a Jewish thing, right? Yeah, it's like um, I can't remember the name of it. Shekinah, I believe, something like that. Uh, yeah. And it's a, it's a Jewish thing that he saw when he was a kid. And that video blew up because you're bringing in the, the it's that's being shown to people on their algorithms who are Jewish, people who are Trekkies and people wow. who are just basically, you know, into nerd lore. And then you get the history people because it's hashtagged with all those things. And and it did really well. And that's where a lot of the following comes from is like, you know, single videos. It'll jump up and then I'll do 20 videos that I might get one or two followers. And, and it's it's a strange thing. And and I, th- I think that uh, there's a shelf life to TikTok. I don't think it's going to be around much longer. They're already banning it from from governmental use. Sure. So, um, you know, well, I'm going to have to jump in on this. I'm going to I'm going to do a video about how Lord of the Rings was created because Walt Disney got high on crystal meth. Yeah, and called uh, J.R.R. Tolkien and said, "I just had a dream. Write this down." Wait, is that is, is that true? Or are you making this up? No, I'm just making that up. I feel oh, like- you should. Yeah. So, like, mine's called "The Internet Says It's True," and you should say yours should be something like "The Internet Says It's Bullshit" or "The Internet." <laughs> like Jay says, it's true. Maybe that's what it should yeah, be. What happens when you overheat your brain because you didn't want to uh, wear a uh, comb your hair, so you wore a hat indoors? And uh, your brain fried, and this is what it came up with. And you end up with Tim Pool. Uh, so this is a this is a, a fun one. Uh, now we're going to get straight into it. For the first question, we're going to play for a joke. So if you get it wrong, you got to tell me a joke. Here's your question. So we're talking about World War II and the Nazi okay. troops. One of the most important items in their toolkit was something called pervitin. Which one of these describes pervitin? A. It was crystal meth. B, it was a balm for STD symptoms. Or C, it was essentially Prilosec. So I know this because I read the book Blitzed, which is a history of drug use and Nazi Germany. Oh, boy. Which is, which is super interesting. It's also one of those ones where people see you reading it on a plane and they go, well, there's a lot of there's a lot of Venn diagrams I don't need to talk about <laughs> with that guy. Yeah. Uh, but per, that's a crystal meth. And yeah. in fact, not only was it crystal meth, it was the purest crystal meth that was ever created in the history of mankind, including Breaking Bad. Unbelievable. You got that correct. It was absolutely uh, crystal meth. Um, and, they, you know, they didn't necessarily call it drugs at that point. This was just a pep pill. You know, this believe it or not, I'm not making this up. It was a coffee replacement. Yeah. This is according <laughs> yeah. to Blitz. They had the war restricted coffee. You couldn't get coffee. So the Germans were like, well, all right, well, what do we do? We can't get enough coffee to our people. I know how. Hey, Bear, turn your aspirin factory into the world's largest meth lab. We're going to give everybody uh, pick me ups in the form of pills. You know, and a lot of you honestly, the, the guy who wrote Blitz is like a lot of the decisions that were made by the Germans late into the war. You could tell were like the decisions of dudes who are like out of their head on crystal meth. 
100%. And we cover that a little bit in in the episode, but what I what I just thought of um you know, they were the Nazis were very much against um and by the way, that book Blitzed, it's it's called Blitzed the War on Drugs in the Third No, it's called Blitzed Drugs in the Third Right. It's Norman Oler is the author if you want to go check that out. Um and it was referenced in many of the the articles that I that I read when I was researching this. But you know, the Nazis were very much against tobacco use and alcohol use, even though many, many German troops used both. Um, but, you know, this was part of this idea of the pure German. And I would I would venture to guess that um, caffeine was lumped into that as well. I bet they sure. looked down on caffeine. And as you know, you were talking about a coffee replacement in terms of supplies. But I bet it's in terms of, you know, they, they probably saw danger in, in caffeine use. You, you see this a lot with like hardliners about anything. Yeah. Because it, you see people like they'll start making like hard and fast rules. Like you can't ever. We're totally against drugs. And you're like, but aren't you doing you do like opioids like like five times a day? And you're like, yeah, but that's different. Right. <laughs> There's always a yeah, but that's different with hardliners sure. because human beings are always human beings. And they're always going to do human being stuff. Yeah. And there's no hardline philosophy in the world that can stop you from doing that. So there's always these weird exceptions like you can't smoke, but you can take high grade crystal meth whenever you feel a little tired. Yeah. And not to mention that, you know, Hitler was the biggest drug addict of them all. Um, right. You know, so. Well, I owe you a joke. Here's your joke. Have you heard about the calculus professor who tried some bad amphetamines and ended up believing he was a moth it's the old meth math moth myth <laughs> so okay all right I, I love these these long uh setup puns i i have yeah. a million of those i've never heard this one until i i was just looking for meth jokes and i found that no one, i think so. that's pretty good i think the guy who wrote that obviously on meth <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, he was singing a song. He's like, myth, math, myth. And he was like, I should put these into a joke. All right. So you just recently uh, were working on a project with uh, good old Steve Hofstetter. Yeah. Our mutual friend, Steve Hofstetter. Yeah. Yes, sir. And what can you tell us about that? Or is that still under under no, wraps? So I mean, you're posting a, uh, about it. So, yeah, it's a thriller that we shot out at his uh, giant complex out in uh, Pittsburgh, which is a trip. Uh, if you get a chance to get to Pittsburgh, uh, the Steel City, Steel City AF Foundation. It's uh, super cool. Um, he built that out there and uh, he called me up and was like, hey, let's do a movie. So I wrote one and uh, he's starring in it along with uh, a whole bunch of other people. It's uh, a thriller and we were, you know, essentially uh, doing it for a lifetime, but we're taking a look at it now and we're thinking it could go some other places. Cool. Because uh, we just had one of those confluences of talent in front of the screen and behind the screen that was really something special. So we're really excited about the prospects of it. And is there a title of that yet or um, is that uh, yet yeah, to so be? So right now it's called Overhaul. Okay. Uh, it's, it's a thriller about, uh, you know, it came out of a discussion that Steve and I had on his podcast where we were talking about the elements of a lifetime movie that you know need to be in there one of them is a nice kitchen and another one is a hot bad guy and i think it was steve who said well what if the bad guy was just there to fix the kitchen then we have everything <laughs> and what do you know a year later we had a movie so that that's was, great uh, that's where that came from i can't wait i can't wait 
Well, let's move on to uh, to another question here. For this next question, if you get it wrong, you've got to tell me an onstage horror story. Sure. Okay. Uh, speaking of horror stories, while the Nazis were first, the Americans, British, and Japanese were also known to give their militaries amphetamines in battle. The American army called this Benzedrine. What percentage of American soldiers in World War II used Benzedrine? Uh, this is an estimated percentage of, of users uh, from the military. A, 90%, B, 3%, or C, 15%. I'm going to go with 3%. And my, my reason for this, and this is just a guess, I know they gave it to pilots. And, uh, you know, I don't think there was a ton of pilots. I think that if we are going to do the whole uh, military, uh, probably 3% are pilots. So that would be my guess, but that's just based on supposition from my uh, too hot brain. Well, here is the answer. Believe it or not, uh, 15% is the estimate. So you're right. So the Pentagon issued between 250 to 500 million Benzedrine tablets to U.S. troops during the war. Now, this was added to American emergency bomber kits in 1942, as you said. But in 1943, they also extended this practice to the infantry. So they started putting in infantry kits in 43. Um, gotcha. This information provided to you from recovery.org. Uh, so not, I, not a joke. Way, that's where I got that. 250 million to 500 million hits of Benjadrine. That's called a good weekend at Mar-a-Lago. hey Thank you. Uh, <laughs> all right. I, I'll tell you a quick horror story about uh, involving airmen. I was performing on an Air Force base. Yeah. And I didn't know. I don't know if it's still the case. This is going back 10, 12 years now. Uh, but you, they still were doing hazing at the time. And the hazing that the two airmen that wound up coming into my show, uh, what they had to do was they had to run out midway when I was on stage and uh, naked and start jumping up and down on oh, no. either side of me. while On they stage. Were on stage. Oh, wow. So I was midway through my performance. I hear a hooting and hollering, and I look over, and on either side of me are two naked dudes. On either side of me, just sort of jumping up and down. Now, luckily, they were not well endowed because <laughs> you, know, you can make fun of them. If, if they're hitting themselves in the face with it, yes. then all you can do is salute and go, God bless the United States of America. <laughs> but when they're, they're kind of tiny, you just kind of you can just point and go, aha. But so as was, as this was happening, did you have any inclination of of that this was like a planned hazing event, or did you just think these were random hecklers? So at, at first, I thought it was a planned haze. Or at first, I thought it was just like okay, weird naked guys have run out. But as you know, the thing goes from ten seconds to fifteen to twenty, and the whole place is going nuts. Your brain goes, "Oh wait a second, everybody in here is in on this except me." So <laughs> right, you know and. And good that they didn't tell me because I probably would have asked politely for them not to come out naked during my show. Yeah. And that's also like a minute that you don't have to do on stage. Like it's a minute of of a gift from the audience that they can just uh, enjoy that that you, guaranteed laughs. Technically, I got paid one sixtieth more than I usually do for the one minute that I didn't have to do any work. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I had one of those uh, two nights ago. We were doing the I, I was doing a New Year's Eve thing. Rubik's Cube trick. And the idea is that I'm going to bring this kid on stage and he's going to solve a Rubik's Cube in 10 seconds. And so I always ask, I say, raise your hand if you have tried and failed to solve a Rubik's Cube. And this kid comes up and in 10 seconds, he almost he came very close to solving the cube in 10 wow. seconds. And I am just like floored and it kind of almost screws up the trick a little bit. 
But then I looked at him and he's wearing like a sequined silver shiny jacket and bow tie. And and so I'm able to say, you know, I got conned, but I don't know why I got conned. This kid's dressed more like a magician than I am. And it ended up being a pretty nice little a funny moment. But and I here's found an it. important thing for all you kids listening at home. Mike, when he got done doing that Rubik's Cube, when he walked off the stage, how many girls jumped at him? <laughs> Would the answer uh, be zero? The number was was very close to zero. Okay. Uh, imperceptibly so stop, close to zero. Yeah. Guys, stop doing stupid stuff. <laughs> no one likes it. No one cares. Maybe other dudes do. But I know in your little brain, you're like, one day. This will be my. This is as close to the public moment as you can get to showing off your Rubik's cube skills. That's right. And it resulted in zero girls being interested in you. Relax. <laughs> Stop doing stupid stuff. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's that's very true. And I'm embarrassed to say how long it took me to learn how to solve a Rubik's cube. And uh, you know, this, you know, afterward, I, I said, I said to him, I was like, you came really close to solving that. And he said, my record time is 17 seconds. Wow. And I just I want to know wow. who that was for, whether this was for profit or just for him or for the, internet. the only thing that is lower than 17 seconds is how long it takes for women to run the other way when they realize <laughs> that he's a Rubik's Cube champion. That's that's, that's the only thing faster. That's very, very true. All right. Well, we're going to keep going here. Question three for this question. We're going to play for a sticker. A tell me. Uh, oh, no. The Internet says it's true sticker. Uh, and this is this is an interesting one in California. Omar Navarro was a Republican challenger to Maxine Waters for the 43rd congressional seat. Now, in 2019, he denounced the Proud Boys for which one of these reasons? And for this one, we're doing four uh, four options instead of just three. So he denounced the Proud Boys for which one of these reasons? A, because of their anti-Semitic statements. B, because of violent attacks against political opponents. C, because of their pro-drug stance, or D, all of the above? Well, Mike, if I know anything about the Proud Boys, it's how much they dislike violence, anti-Semitism, and drug use. So I think the obvious answer has got to be, any reasonable person would say the answer has to be D. If it's not D, then what's even the point of being alive, Mike? <laughs> the answer believe it or not, is only C because of their pro-drug stance. And I only put D in there for all of the above to, to highlight the fact that for this Republican challenger, uh, the anti-Semitic statements and the violent attacks had nothing to do with him denouncing the Proud Boys. He was he only had a problem when it came to the fact that they were pro-drug. Uh, Listen, dads of the world, I know you're listening. You talk to your sons about hard right rhetoric. I th- Believe it or not, Mike, I talk to my son all the time about incel people. Yeah. And I like, cause I'm like, listen, there but for the grace of God go any of us when we're 15 and we're like nothing but little buckets of self pity. Yeah. You know, that you're sitting online going, well, it's not my fault. And then the next thing you know, you're, you know, dressed as a proud boy and uh, proudly saying, you know, everything goes except drugs in my book. So, yeah. Uh, it, it's, just, it's ridiculous. Just to say to these young boys, like, women don't owe you anything nobody owes you anything (laughs) you know until you're 18 your parents maybe owe you safety uh and 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 shelter and food and then nothing no one else owes you anything just for being a dude and maybe try to just be a good human and see what happens first you know before you start violently marching and attacking political opponents and creating anti-semitic Verbiage. Maybe, but Jay, they're they're wearing nice polo shirts. 
I mean, they're <laughs> they're wearing khakis. They're nice khaki wearers. Uh, you know what? On behalf of good white people everywhere, you ruined khakis for us, and we're very <laughs> angry with you about that. Yeah, that's right. Well, we've still got jorts. Uh, <laughs> question four. You have written and produced Hallmark movies, and last time you were on the podcast, we forgot to do this. This was one of our stakes, and we didn't do it. So here it is again. If you get this one wrong, I'm going to come up with a quick plot for a Hallmark movie. You have to give it a title, and if you get it right, you'll come up with a plot, and I'll title it. And here's the question. Oh. There are reports that amphetamine use in the military persists to this day. Which of these incidents was blamed on the use of these drugs? A, the North Korean military's failed ballistic missile launch. B, Americans accidentally bombing Canadian soldiers on the ground in Afghanistan. Or C, Donald Trump's Space Force. Well, it's a bit of a trick question because everything Donald Trump did was influenced by amphetamines to some degree or another. <laughs> uh, but I think in this case, the answer is B. Actually, you are correct. It is B. Uh, this was this happened in 2002. It's called the Tarnak Farm Incident. It was during the war in Afghanistan. An American F-16 pilot killed several friendly Canadian soldiers on the ground, and he blamed uh, amphetamine use, which was apparently had been uh, ordered for, to be used by his superior commander, whatever. Um, now, there was a non-judicial U.S. Air Force hearing that rejected that pilot's claim that it was because of the amphetamine. So... Um, he was disciplined in, in whatever way. But, uh, yeah, that's a, a real thing that apparently wow. they are still using speed to, to well, do these long bombing Which drives. I understand, to be honest, because, you know, you, you got a guy, if you're like, I have tr like driven like all comics millions of miles. And at times I pull over and I, I sleep on the side of the road because you have to. Yeah. Uh, you can't do that with a plane. I'd rather have my pilot jacked up on a crank and not <laughs> crash an $80 million plane sure. than in the opposite. So, sure, I get that. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and we're, we're learning now the detriment of that, like what the adverse effects of all that. Of course, uh, I think there are more medicines or more, more uh, substances now that they're finding that are healthier that can provide alertness and and uh you know keep these pilots awake for long flights but so i'm just gonna say if it's the difference between jinko balboa or whatever that's called and crank give them crank guys <laughs> what, say, say, pronounce that again what was that jinko balboa jinko balboa it's rocky's rocky's cousin rocky's dumb cousin jinko <laughs> uh all right so i gotta come up with the title or i gotta come up with a come movie. up with a plot i'll title it uh, all right, give me any place on earth that isn't Biloxi. Uh, let's say, uh, oh, we're going to do Jacksonville, Florida. Jacksonville, Florida. Okay, this is called, oh, well, I won't tell you what it's called because you got to come up I got to come up with a title. All right. It involves a guy who has played Santa Claus for the last 50 years, right? And okay. all he wants for Christmas is snowfall. Because he's done it in Jacksonville. There's never been snow. Sure. So uh, word gets out. There's this whole international thing. We got, let's get him snow. Let's let's do it. This guy who's super rich says, you know what? I'm going to do this for the publicity. So he hires a fleet of cars to bring, not cars, like trucks that have ice in it, to bring it down. He sends his assistant, who's a high-powered female attorney, I said female like a proud boy would. A, a woman attorney 
who wants to move up in the organization. She's the only one who's willing to do this on Christmas Eve to bring these trucks down. She winds up meeting this guy's grandson, who's a Bayou backwoodsman. And you would don't think the two of them are going to fall in love. But guess what? They fall in love at the same time. And here's how I envision it. You know what they do? They get all those airboats that they have in Florida, you know, yeah. the airboats. And they're throwing the ice in the airboats, right? The big propellers in the back. And it's just shooting ice into the sky. And it blankets this small Jacksonville uh, suburb for Christmas for this dude. Okay. Um, here it is. Your Hallmark title, Snow Place Like Home. Ah, done. Let's make it happen. All right. Sell it. Sell it. Uh, I like the, the adding of the fan the fan boats to distribute the snow. I mean, we're bringing in the, we're bringing in the region. It's good. You know, you know how my brain works. That's where I was working backwards from. Second, you said Florida. I was like ice into, uh, airboats. That's all I wanted to see. <laughs> and then I was like, all right, how do I get there? And my brain filled it in as we, as I was talking. So here is uh here's your, your, I'll do one too. A high level yeah. marketing exec, right? He's, uh, she's from New York and she goes home to stay with her parents for the winter and she learns that her high school sweetheart is involved with the proud boys and she's okay. able to see past that however and she falls back in love with him anyway the movie's called oh, hang on i think i would i would call that i'll be home front for christmas <laughs> <laughs> that would be my title home front isn't that what home front was the um oh Stormfront was the Stormfront. you yeah. know that andrew anglin guy ran Stormfront. he was from here in columbus did you know that? Really? Yeah. He's back on Twitter now, very famously. Um, but he, you say Ohio, get your stuff together. Yeah, it's like, horrible now. I mean, it's so it's 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 beat red in Ohio. I don't even understand how that happened. Did did all the manufacturing jobs leave and just uh it has a lot to do with gerrymandering? Um, you know, these these districts are gerrymandered, and then so all the people in our state legislature are hard for hardcore right. Um and and the the big cities are underrepresented and it's it's Ugh. turned into a nightmare in terms of politics, but which is weird. You guys are no, no longer my favorite four letter state that starts with a vowel. <laughs> What's that leave you? Iowa? Is that all Iowa. that's left? Yeah, I, I had to put Iowa above Ohio because oh, of all the right. cannery that's going fine. on in Ohio. That's fine. Well, uh, you are, uh, you're doing well. You're what you're two for four, I think, uh, in terms of yes. this, there's this one's for all the marbles though. And if you get this one wrong, I'm banning you from the show. You'll never be asked on again. Oh. Uh, what Jay is your new year's resolution? If you have one. Oh, so my new year's resolution this year is to get hot again, Mike. I thought uh, you were going to say get year? high. That's, I really thought that's what you were just about to say to get hot. Oh what do you mean? Get hot. Well, so 2000. Put the hat back you know, on if you want to start with the hat. Now we're hot. 2020, we had the the COVID thing. I got super fat. 2021, uh, I lost a whole bunch of weight. Got hot. I like legitimately hot. Like I'd walk around and people were like, "Look at that hot guy." <laughs> then 2022, January, I get COVID. I stopped working out for like a month because I had COVID, and I was just like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to eat for the next nine months. So I got fat again. My goal is to get hot enough that my wife stops asking me to do stuff. I just want to get so hot that my wife just goes, you know what? I'll do it. Yeah. So that's my plan. You, your job is now to just stand there and I will look at you. That's the... <laughs> Yeah. I want to be man meat. That's yeah. all. Okay. Well, that counts as a correct answer. So I am happy to bring you back on Winner. the show. 
Um, thanks again, man. Now, how can people? You're on Twitter at uh, J Black is funny, correct? I, I am. Twitter's still my home base, but I'm expanding out because who knows? You know, there's only eight people working at Twitter right now, and I think three <laughs> of them are monkeys. Yeah. So, and all the people I, on Twitter are all the same people that we've been talking about in this episode. So, yeah, it's you know, pretty awful. Proud boys uh, so I, season. I, I have uh, accounts everywhere. Best way to find it is to go to J Black J A Y D L A C K dot TV. That's dot the thing that raised you. Uh, television dot TV. Find me online. Uh, all of my uh, different things are there. You can find me there. Go check out Jay Black. Watch his comedy videos. Check out his TikTok. Um, thank you so much for for spending time with us today, Jay. Well, that's all for this week. Thanks to my friend Jay Black for being my guest. Here's a kid who shouldn't listen to this week's show. Thank you for listening to The Internet Says It's True. To listen to episodes ad-free and a week early, support us on Patreon. You can do that at patreon.com forward slash Michael Kent. If you learned something just now that you didn't already know, go to the Apple Podcast app and leave us a review with five stars and a few words. That helps us a ton because that's how the algorithm works. I don't know what an algorithm is, but just do it. See you next week for a brand new episode of The Internet Says It's True. The Internet Says It's True would like to thank the Patreon subscribers whose monthly contributions help to make this show possible. Dallas Ray, Sean Brown, Bryce Swanson, Eugene Anderson, Matt McVay, Jim Martin, Joanne Martin, the show's official Emperor Kick Track. The show is written and produced by me, Michael Kent. The theme song is by Finite Music Forge. All audio clips in this episode are used for education and commentary and used under fair use Title 17 U.S.C. Section 107. You can listen to past episodes by searching for The Internet Says It's True wherever you get your podcasts. And you can see bonus content at patreon.com slash Michael Kent.